Bostone Radio, Talk for Guitar, presented by BossUS.com. Hey everybody, Paul Hansen here. Today our guest is Herman Lee from the Super Shred Metal Group, Dragon Force. Herman is one half of the twin guitar team that he makes up along with his fellow shredder, Sam Totman. We're going to talk to Herman from his beautiful Los Angeles location where he is now. But before we get him on the phone, let's listen to Herman jamming along with his boss, JS10E Band. Here's Herman Lee. This is Paul Hansen from Boss. Hey, how are you doing? Great. Are you in L.A. right now? Yeah. Well, is it sunny? <laughs> yeah, not bad. But you were born in Hong Kong. Did you grow up there for a while? Yeah, I grew up there for a while, and then I moved to France, and I moved to England. I know Hong Kong was, it was a British colony. When you were born, was it still a British colony? Yeah, that's right. It was still a British colony then. So you speak English. Do you also speak, um, is it Cantonese that they speak there? That's right, yeah. So my first language is Cantonese, and the second one that I can speak fluently was French, actually. Oh, my gosh. And my third language is actually English. English was third. <laughs> That's, so basically, you've got three languages. Yeah, I can only do one, and I can only barely do that. <laughs> <laughs> I heard you're going to um, China and then India. Will you speak... Chinese when you're in China doing clinics? In the mainland, certain parts of China speak Cantonese, so I'll speak Cantonese there. And when there's Mandarin, which I'm not really good at, you speak Cantonese, they translate it into Mandarin. Wow. So I do Cantonese to Mandarin instead. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's fascinating. When you were a kid, what drew you to guitar? You know, the first time I heard rock music, guitar music, when I was in France, and you know, I, I thought guitar sounded great to me. And then when I was growing up, I, I was really into sports when I was young, but you know, then I needed a new hobby. I kind of stopped playing football and tennis and things like that, and I just decided to pick the guitar. So is this about when you're maybe 12 or? So I picked the guitar when I was 16. Was there any guitar player like, you know, Eddie Van Halen or Ingve Malmsteen or guys like that that really inspired you? Guitar hero for me was Joe Satriani, when I heard his album, it was Flying the Blue Dream, I actually went, oh my God, this is insane, you know. <laughs> yeah. Satriani, man, this is the best guy in the world ever, you know. But of course, throughout the years, it's so many, so many guitars, so many musicians, so many styles. Sam Totman is the other guitar player. Is he from England also? He was born in England, but he moved to New Zealand, so like, I think five years old, something like that. Oh my God. He returned to England later on, yeah. We're all a bit from everywhere. You guys have really become a guitar team. You kind of remind me of Marty Friedman and Jason Becker, uh, like Cacophony, or, or Paul Gilbert and Bruce Bouillet. Were you influenced by those guys? Oh, absolutely. You know, I had loads of shrapnel records, you know. <laughs> and I was uh, learning to play the guitar, listening to the solo album of you know, Marty Friedman and Jason Becker. So 
Oh, yeah. I'm always hungry for music and, and knowledge. I remember Perpetual Burn by Jason Becker. That album just like, I couldn't believe it. Was that a cool one for you? Oh, that, that was an amazing one. Um, yeah. I was in school, so I bought that album to my music teacher back then. And I said, check this out. It's the first song, Altitude. Uh-huh. She played to my teacher, and the teacher said, this is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to learn to play like that. <laughs> you can go and listen to the police or something like that. I kind of go, what? Yeah. <laughs> From then on, I kind of realized, you know, not everyone gets music in, in the same way. So Right. You have to kind of pursue what you really like. Yeah. The whole world back then was kind of new metal grunge era. Yeah. I couldn't really relate to most people in school. Yeah, totally makes sense. And you guys have been called Bon Jovi on Speed and Journey Meets Slayer. Your 16th notes between you and Sam are just so precise and perfect. You've been playing together as partners for a long time. You guys are kind of the core of the group. Yeah, um, we knew each other um, for a few years before we started Dragon Force, actually. You know, strangely enough, um, we were so different to each other, you know, personality-wise, everything. Somehow that works. We're able to um, complement each other in a yeah. play. I love your guitar harmonies, and uh, then you, you'll do really fast stuff and then slow things. It's a pretty cool band you got there. In 19, uh, no, let's see, 2000. Five or so, is that when you signed on with Roadrunner? Yeah, pretty much end of 2005. And then the album came out in 2006. A lot of people ask me how we end up landing a deal with Roadrunner. Definitely different from everything on their catalog at that time. European labels say, oh, Dragonfly, this music will never sell in America. Don't even try, you know. <laughs> That's what they always say before you're successful. One thing about you guys that I noticed that's different very few metal bands have keyboards. This is a really cool thing. It adds kind of an orchestral kind of touch or a little more melody. Did you decide to have keyboards early on? Pretty much decided we have to have a keyboard player because um, we want to bring that epic, big sound. And without it, um, you can be heavy and all that um, melodic, but you just don't get that epic, big sound. So... That's kind of been the idea since the beginning. Gives a lot more room to the music in terms of composition, you know. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, you want to play something on the guitar, you think, well, this sounds better, use a different instrument. Now, you're an expert at doing, well, two-hand tapping, sweep-picking, harmonics, whammy licks, but you specialize in old-style video arcade game sounds. Did you play video games a lot as a kid? Yeah, um, one of the hobbies I guess I gave up to play the guitar was video games. Basically, I got bored of it. Um, I think I got bored of it when the new generation of video games started. That was when the 3D games started on the consoles. Uh-huh. I think video games became a bit too technological. No longer required to have great melody in the music anymore because uh, they could have samples, really good samples. Right. Well, back then, they had so little to work with. And I was, I was really attracted to that kind of video game music. And then those kind of weird noises. I ended up doing them on the guitar for some reason, you know. I just thought, oh, that's kind of cool, you know. <laughs> At the same time, I remember listening to Van Halen by Satriani doing weird sounds on the guitar, and always fun and interesting. Yeah, I saw um, some videos of you showing uh, a siren sound, but you take your whammy bar off and slide it up and down, or you take your whammy bar vertically across the strings to make a Pac-Man kind of sound. This is, like, ingenious. It's pretty cool. 
Yeah, I, I remember that video that was Telegram, out the blue. I was at Roller on the record, and they said, oh, we've got to do some press. <laughs> and they just said, here's an amplifier. I thought, okay, I'll give it a try. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I'm glad, you know, there was a lot of, a lot of people spoken about that, you know, a fan that I've met that, that, you know, kind of inspired me to play the guitar. So that was, that was a cool one. I especially like your elephant sound. I think you're doing for the elephant sound fifth fret on the G string and seventh fret on the high E, and then you turn your volume up. Yeah, I think something like that. Um, uh, I can't remember anymore. I know there's a high E in there. Okay, when I first heard you guys, I I heard Fire and Flames. I immediately ran over to my metronome and tapped in the tempo to figure out what the tempo was. And so Fire and Flames is like 200 beats per minute, and you guys are doing 16th notes through the, the whole song. It's It was just insane. I was just so impressed by that and just like how you're able to keep keep it going. Even the kick drum is doing 16th notes, I think. Um, yeah, uh, that's actually the thing about that kind of speed. We actually never thought we were fast, and we started off listening to a lot of thrash metal when we were young. Thrash metal, death metal. Uh-huh. Metallic, Megadeth, Slayer, that kind of music. So when we edit with the keyboard and the melody, it's kind of a natural way to Now let's see, in um, 2008, Eight or so, I think you you toured with um, Disturbed and Slipknot. Slipknot, yeah. That must have been a great a great show. So, what's it like, you know, when you're doing those big tours? What's a day like? Today on that tour, I, I remember was I always woke up did some um, martial arts training in the morning. You did martial arts training in the morning? Pretty much every morning. This is another specialty of yours is doing martial arts. Yeah, I trained for many years. So another member then um, on that tour was um, Zoltan from Five Finger Death Punch. Who was the other person? Zoltan Baffery from um, Five Finger Death Punch. Oh, yeah. We used to train in the morning like, all the time, like jiu-jitsu, judo. And so we start off with that, and then we do our, you know, do your lunch, and then you do your signing session. Then kind of hang out and get ready for the show. 7 p.m. we usually play mm-hmm. on that tour, 7 p.m. when the sun goes down. That was a... That was cool, yeah. It was, a, it was good fun. And then you would get in the bus after the show and go to the next next venue? Yeah, it, sometimes the bus leaves later, depends how far. And it's, but there's always kind of a lot of cool people on that tour to hang out, you know. For me, they're all from different places and, you yeah. know, and culture and oh. always interesting. You, and you kind of learn to communicate with people from different places. It's not as simple as speak the same language, you know. Sometimes we just don't get what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like the Slipknot guys are from Iowa, kind of just real American regular guys. Yeah. I'd like to hear um, about your recording process. I saw a video of you showing your studio, and it's pretty much your home studio. Do you record a lot at home? Pretty much all my guitars, all my guitars at home, I pretty much learned from scratch. On the first album, I just bought Pro Tools and just put it on my computer and plugged everything in and just tried it. And then on the last album, we pretty much did everything except the drums, you know, mm-hmm. in my home studio. Wow. It's not pretty, because cables everywhere, but they all work perfectly and sound great, you know. Well, that's great. It's more comfortable, but also it gives you too much time. Maybe if it's a bit too relaxed, I think I learned recently from doing a TV commercial that pressure, I learned something from that. I, I remember hearing someone say, 
you never do your best in a comfortable situation, but I don't know if I believe that. Sometimes you do your best in a comfortable situation, but then I, I know what you mean. Sometimes in a pressure situation, things will happen or you'll be able to pull things off that, that you couldn't otherwise. When I did the one TV promotion I did with Sam, where we had to do a bunch of extended guitar solos in it, and we were in and out of studio, controlled by someone else. And it actually bought something out of it. So uh, that was an interesting idea. Let's talk about gear a little bit. Um, I saw <laughs> you, you have your own Ibanez E-Gen model. Oh my gosh, I saw in a video you use a rubber band on the springs. What a great idea. I need to try that. I, on the springs on the back. Yeah, that's right. The reason is um, maybe live doesn't matter that much, you know, because it's noise everywhere. Right. But recording just um, stop the reverb vibration from the springs is kind of good. But I got too few when it comes to playing music, playing it wrong and playing it right. And I think playing it wrong live is the most important thing. <laughs> you know, I just think um, playing everything in a perfect technique live just makes it a boring show. It makes it more exciting. It's more edgy. And if you're absolutely doing everything exactly perfect, you're kind of like more mechanical rather than letting it letting yourself be more improvisational. And actually, I, I kind of reminded myself of that recently when I saw some bands play. And, you know, they sounded great. There was a band that was playing live that sounded great. But so many, you know, backing vocals and stuff on the track, so many keyboards on the tracks, you know, running in the background. It's like, it sounds great at the beginning, and then my ears start to get tired. I just think, well, this is kind of boring, you know? Yeah. I want to hear some human, some notes on the keyboard when someone press, you know, you know, ringing over. It's just the human imperfection is supposed to what makes the music sound great. So right. sometimes the new generation forget about that, but you haven't learned it yet. They haven't learned the feeling and the passion of imperfection in the live music. Right. And people comparing YouTube videos to actual studio recording. No, it doesn't sound the same, whatever, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. T I totally agree with you on that. So um, let, back to gear. You know, I was really impressed. You guys use nines, uh, nine through 46, and regular tuning, right? That's right, yeah. That is so cool. I, I think you guys are probably the only metal band to play traditional tuning. That. <laughs> 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 I I I like I like the I like that tuning better to be honest. I found E flat or a little bit the feeling doesn't touch my heart as much. Throughout the years, I learned certain songs, certain keys, certain key sounds better for certain kind of moods. So standard for me has always been good, and I like like the feel of the strings and the pull and the whammy bar. You know, yeah. the control of the of the locking bridge going to make a lot of difference. You know, what strings you put on and right. I also heard you use, instead of your E-Gen model for rhythms on your records, you use an Ibanez Gem instead? Um, that was in the past, yeah. Oh. In the, and sometimes you want to mix up some double guitars and things like that. And you bring a extra guitar in that sounds not totally different. For amps, at Uber Pro Audio, it says you've used Mesa, Laney's, Marshall's, PB's, but it looks like now, you use a Rocktron Prophecy, is that correct? That's right. That's my main kind of preamp section at the moment. Yeah. And I put a bunch of pedals through the effect loop of that to kind of expand the tone. Interesting. So pedals in the effects loop to expand the tone. So then you go into a Mesa power amp, and then you get the transformers. And does it have EL34s or 6L6s? I think it's 34s on that. 
Yeah. yeah. And since you're from England, of course, you would have EL-34s. Those are the, the British ones. So then you've got, it's a Rocktron loop type switcher. So you have all your pedals inserted in the loop, each pedal inserted in a loop, and then you can save combinations of pedals as presets? That's right. All the magic, apart from the preamp sound, you know, the stock preamp sound, I'll be able to through the looper. Yeah, bypass things when you don't use them. Right. Yeah. Uh, another thing uh, about having them kind of set up that way that I think is great is that you can save. Let's say you you've got your CH1 super chorus, and then you want your acoustic simulator at the same time. You can save that as one button push, so you don't have to turn on or off two pedals. That's right. Exactly. And you know, sometimes I switch between the power stack pedal and, and the main preamp sound. It depends on the on the type of music. Oh, I noticed you had one of those, the ST2 Power Stack. It's a new generation of pedal. It uses technology that's not usually in pedals. And one thing it does, it does kind of like an old plexi type sound. Do you do you use it for that kind of tone? I actually use the um, use it for kind of a kind of a crunchy kind of kind of tone actually. Because, you know, I'm a metal guy. So that gain, gain knob, I would say, is it the gain knob? I'm looking yep, at it. Yeah, yeah, it's called the sound knob. It changes the tone quite quite dramatically, right? It's right. Drive crunch ultra, there you go. It changes quite a bit. So it's, it's that style of tone that I kind of get on my preamp. I decided to cut in some audio examples of the pedals that Herman uses so you can hear the tone that the pedal makes. This first one is the ST2 Power Stack. First is with the pedal off, then I'll click the pedal on with the sound knob turned to the crunch setting. I also notice you have, I mentioned a CH1 Super Chorus. Do you use that for real clean guitar tones? That's right. That's what, that's what I use it for. You know, because um, I, I think for me, I find chorus pedals sound better than the rack stuff. Rack stuff, yeah. My ears relate better to a chorus pedal. It sounds a bit warm, it sounds a bit nice, it's a clean sound, everything. I opt for pedal chorus instead of the rack. That's interesting. So the pedal just is, has a little extra warmth. Let's take a listen to the CH1 Super Chorus. Here's an example of me playing it. I'll play without it, and then I'll add the chorus. Now I'll click the CH1 on. the stereo output of the chorus pedal or just a mono output? Uh, in the in the recording, I do stereo, but when I do live at the moment, I'm using a, a mono rig. Oh, so That's you, right. your whole rig is mono live? Yeah, whole rig is mono live, just to simplify. 
It makes sense because no one hears stereo anyway. Well, also you've got Sam on the other side of the stage, so you probably mm-hmm. have the left side, and then he has the right side, or or something like that. And you have to find a room, of course. You right. Put the two guitars not totally in the middle, but you know a little bit pan out. And the reason is, I don't want the audience on the left side, the right side, to hear the harmonies wrong. Right. You don't want them to hear the harmonies wrong. Then you got the one guy, the two on the left side, to hear one guitar. And you don't, you don't recognize the song. <laughs> Absolutely. Think. So I notice also you use the OC3 Boss Super Octave. Mm-hmm. What do you use that for, Herman? For the one octave lower and or one octave higher harmony. I find the latency better on that. Low sound, you know, ah. harmony octave and high harmony, high octave. I find the latency on the rack sometimes a little bit, uh, you know, too many circuits. On the, on the rack now. Interesting. The latency on the new pedal is, is less. So you get your octaves quicker. Do you use them on lead guitar parts, not rhythms? Lead and a certain rhythm. Some songs on the, on the album, we call it with low D. Uh-huh. Drop guitars for certain sections. E minor song. You needed the low D and I played a high D and dropped it the octave pedal. Just, just to cheat and not having to play a, a drop guitar because I drop the guitar oh, playing the rock. I get it. You play an octave higher, but then you engage the pedal so it sounds an octave lower. Here's my example of the OC3. I'll play one part without the OC3, then I'll click it, and you'll hear it'll put my whatever I'm playing an octave lower, just like a bass. <laughs> You also have the AC3 acoustic simulator. I was wondering, does that pedal go into a special acoustic amplifier or different amp than your, your Rocktron? It goes just back in the Rocktron. The reason for that is um, for the song Through the Fire and Flames. Uh-huh. Certain time, say we're playing in, in Asia, I don't know, Indonesia or whatever, yep. or we're flying from... Japan into Indonesia, then we've got to fly to, um, I don't know, India or whatever the next day, or Bangkok, Thailand. We can't carry acoustic guitar, guitars with us on kind of tours. It just it makes yeah. things easy. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to say, oh, this replaced the acoustic guitar, it sounds like the same. Of course, nothing sounds like the same. But it sounds, it sounds good enough for me, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so it's like a quick and simple acoustic solution. Here's my example of the AC3. First, just uh, without the AC3. Now I'll click on the AC3 acoustic simulator. get the FB2 feedbacker and booster? Do you have one of those? Uh, I have those, but I haven't um, really used them yet because um, I kind of like the old way of shoving your guitar into the... Shoving your guitar into the amp. The feedback it, you know, you know, the marriage of the old school and the technology. Um. So, Herman, I, I heard that you have a GR55 guitar synthesizer. What do you use that for? Um, I use that for... Um, for writing and uh, certain things sound better on a 
on the keyboard. I wish I could play a keyboard, so we'll get a keyboard player to do it. But when we were doing pre-production of the previous album, we had it. So we're trying out different sounds, um, plugged into Pro Tools, Pro Tools. samples and you know, keyboard sounds, triggering it the guitar, just like, you know, simple chords and things like that. And yeah. we did some wacky noises with it as well on the last album. Ah, it is pretty cool to be able to just plug in and, and make a, you know, like an orchestral kind of sound with your guitar. Especially, yeah, like me, I, I can't play keyboards. And if I want to play a, a minor seven flat five chord or something like that, oh my gosh, try to figure that out on a keyboard. It would take me a while. Well, GR55, make a guitar play. Stop playing the same dynamics you would do on a electric guitar, because if you do that flute or whatever, saxophone sound, those are breathing instruments. Right. You know, they always say saxophone player will always be, have more feeling than a guitar player because they're coming from their body, like their mouth and expressing. So yeah. you have to play a guitar differently when you do those, those sounds, actually. <laughs> it teaches you about the guitar and the dynamics. Sometimes when you're a metal player, we are just trying to gain up all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. As a guitar player, you, you get used to the string just happening right away. But yeah, on the flute sound, it's slowly going to develop. You have to play it different. I saw your video of you showing uh, the JS10 jam station. Uh, it was really cool. So do you still use the JS10 for practicing? Oh, yeah, I took it in my case. <laughs> I, had to fly, I had to fly to Miami to do this um, thousand tons of metal. Can you repeat that? You flew to Miami to do what? It's called 70,000 tons of metal. 17,000 tons of metal, yeah. <laughs> heavy, heavy metal festival on a, on a big boat in the Bahamas. Oh my gosh, that sounds like fun. I, I, I put the e-van in my suitcase so I can warm up backstage and in my cabin and practice every day because that, that's the best thing you can have for any guitar player to practice, a warm-up show. Or, I have one on my desk where my studio is. So really kind of, I think... One of my favorite invention of recently, you know, for the, for the guitar. Yeah, you know, um, I loaded up a bunch of my songs, uh, the hard parts, like you know, where I have to uh, practice them. And what I would do is just put it on play and it just loops that, you know, maybe the 16 bars or whatever. And um, there's something, and I, I talked to Jeff Loomis about this because he has an e-band also. The fact that you don't have to press rewind even if it's an ipod just one button it interrupts your playing because you have to stop and press rewind and then the fact that you're not doing that and it just keeps going allows you to maybe go for uninterrupted concentration like for 20 minutes do you find yourself doing that yeah pretty much i did some like mix down of the songs without my solos and then like just backing track myself and i put my own backing track in there as well as, you know, just so I just loop the solo because I'm, I need to look warm up quite a bit for leads before a show. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. So I yeah. have that going. And the funny thing, I got the little E-band, the microphone, BR-88, not sure the number. The BR-80, the little recorder, and it has a E-band function on it. Yeah, that's my secondary, that's my secondary one. And I got that strapped to one of my guitar straps, attached to my guitar strap, the cable into my guitar. I can walk around in certain backstage area, with, which I can't plug it in or something, you know. And I just walk around with my headphones. I just play walking around, ignore everybody who ever talks to me. <laughs> yeah, ignore everybody. Yeah, and you can slow things down and put load your own tracks. And um, and the guitar sounds, the tones are, are killer. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I bet you that feels like you're playing a real app. It really does. But sometimes when you play software stuff, like on the computer, sound card and run this plugin, it just doesn't feel like a guitar. Okay, it says on the internet you can play guitar with your tongue. How the heck do you do that? Uh, you pick it just like your finger. Oh my gosh, that means you have to develop a callus on your tongue or something? No, it's okay. Um, you just grip it and you do. You can do harmonics with them. Oh my gosh. I don't do that when I'm at home because I feel weird and I don't have the adrenaline. <laughs> yeah. It's just fun. It's part of, the, part of the excitement of the show, which goes in the theory of playing everything yeah. wrong. You know, these are not right techniques. <laughs> don't do everything wrong techniques for an exciting show and a fun show. I just find that more exciting and challenging. No doubt I will sometimes mess it up and make a mistake. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I hope that but it makes the show, you know, special for them. You guys rock. I, I love it when you grab your guitar and only hold it by the whammy bar and shake it and then throw up in the air and then it lands on your leg and you do that in rhythm. It's so awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Um, are you guys going anywhere soon? Maybe um, I read you're going to Europe. You travel a lot. Yeah. Aren't you? We're, yeah. I mean, we, I'm going to go off um, to Australia next week to for Soundwave Festival and then um, go to um, Asia, Indonesia, the Philippines, and we do the European Summer Festival. Everywhere we go will be warm from now on. Well, enjoy your time at home. Is L.A. your home? Well, England is your home. You're a pretty international traveler guy. Yeah, they're both homes for me now. Yeah, it's great. It's great to be able to travel and be a well done. L.A. is a cool place. Yeah, and nice weather. So, any last words about Boston Roland Gear? Um, you know, I, I've been a, one of my first pedal I got was a, was a Boss pedal. Going back, I, you know, 20 years, I had a heavy metal pedal. I can't remember mm-hmm. the numbers on it. but That's the one that's discontinued? The Not the metal zone, that was the heavy metal pedal. Yeah, the metal zone was too expensive for me back then when I was just, you know, <laughs> stupid. Only the cool kids had them. I, I, I couldn't afford one, you know. I had... I, Thought that was cool. You had the scoop sound. That was really advanced back then. I was like, wow, oh my god. <laughs> you know? And so, you know, boss pedals always um, high quality. And I don't know, the only pedal that you get five years warranty on it back then. So, boss definitely makes very cool products. Hey, thanks so much, Herman, for taking time out of your crazy schedule and talking to us. Hey, no problem, man. Thanks for thanks for having me. Good luck to the Dragon Force team. Rock on, dude. Thank Ooh. you, Mark. A special thanks to Herman Lee for coming on the show and talking about life and his gear. Thanks to you for using Boss Pedals and Boss Gear. Remember, you can find out all about cool Boss stuff at BossUS.com. Paul Hansen here saying, I'll see you later. Later.